Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? We are back at it again with another episode of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. I hope y'all have had a fantastic week. I know I definitely have. We have finally made it to Friday, a.k.a. You know, the second day of the NFL draft. And as I'm recording this episode, the first round of the NFL draft is currently going on. So I kind of will update y'all throughout the episode of some of the drafts that come in. We've had some pretty interesting picks so far. So I'll make sure, obviously, to update y'all with that. But for our college football segment today, we have a lot of commitment news, some transfer portal news. And most importantly, Baylor's quarterback situation. Their, start, their former starting quarterback, Gary Bohannon, he actually entered the transfer portal after receiving some pretty interesting news. So we'll dive into that a little bit later. But. Besides that, we also have a lot of um, NFL news regarding a lot of fifth-year options that have either been picked up or declined, you know, specifically regarding Daniel Jones, Devin White, and just a couple other players. And then to finish off the episode, we'll talk about, I think it's just a couple MLB news, not too, too much, but some pretty interesting news also regarding the whole Yankees cheating situation, which turns out to be they weren't even cheating during the time that the Astros were cheating, so we will dive into that a little bit later, but guys, I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode as much as I know I'm going to, but before we do start, please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce, I'll make sure to leave a link down in the description, and as always, let's get right into today's episode. Now, we start off today's episode, and as you know, all of y'all know, we do start off talking about some college football news. Let's talk about the whole Baylor quarterback situation right now that's going on down in Waco. Now, earlier on this week, for, er, well, yeah, now it's former Baylor starting quarterback Gary Bohannon. He actually entered the transfer portal, you know, after participating in the spring game and, you know, going through all the spring practices with, with Baylor, which is kind of shocking because, you know, he just got off a Sugar Bowl win with Baylor last year, you know, upset wins over Iowa State and Oklahoma. So a lot of people figured, hey, you know, why would he end up leaving Baylor considering he did throw for over 2,200 yards and 18 touchdowns? Well, the reason why he did end up transferring is because um, Coach Dave Aranda, the Baylor football head coach, he actually let him know that the Baylor Bears would be going forward with Blake Shapin as their starting quarterback for the 2022 season, which obviously would put Gary as the backup quarterback with only a you know a year left of eligibility. So obviously he wants to be able to you know possibly make it into the NFL, and he's going to need to go do that somewhere else. So definitely expect maybe some Pac-12 schools that do need starters or maybe some smaller, you know, Power 5 schools. But nothing less, a huge name also does enter the transfer portal. Gary, he did have some inconsistencies with his arm during the season. I will not lie, kind of, kind of, sometimes it was worrying, but Blake, Blake Shapin, after he had that amazing game against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, that kind of, you know, put a tone for the whole team is hey this guy really could contend for the starting job and then obviously he ends up getting it for the 2022 season so not to not to you know discredit Blake because obviously he's a very talented quarterback a former five or former four star at that so you know Baylor they'll have an amazing quarterback going into next year but I do think they should have at least kept Gary for this year and then obviously if things started you know go downhill then you could you know transfer more over to Blake Shapin, but nothing less, another huge name enters the transfer portal, and then Baylor gets a, you know, young quarterback that they probably were needing, considering the fact that, you know, Gary is a, um, he is technically a senior, because he only has one year of eligibility left, so, yeah, that was kind of shocking to me, I never really expected to see that, because when I first saw it, I'm like, why would he transfer from Baylor, he already has the, you know, starting position locked in, there's nothing for him to worry about. Obviously, he just led Baylor to one of their better seasons in the past decade. And, you know, the future looked bright for Dave Aranda and Gary Bohannon as the signal caller. But, obviously, things didn't go the way that Gary wanted it to. So, he will be officially entering the transfer portal. 
now to some commitment news that we actually have regarding mostly the class of 2023. I think there might be a couple 2022s, but for the first news we have, it's regarding four-star edge rusher David Ojigbe, who is ranked the number 167th best player in the country and the number 20 edge player in the country in the 2023 class. He has a great frame at 6'3", 235 pounds, and for an edge rusher, that's huge. And he actually just decided to commit to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, which... In case you don't know, this finally kind of puts Clemson at a decent ranking for their 2023 class, as now they are the um, 23rd ranked class in the 2023. And obviously, Dabo's already expressed it a lot that he's not really big into whole in, into the whole NIL thing, which I don't really blame him because yeah, I, I I do understand the fact that it is kind of ruining college football a little bit, kind of making it more of a um kind of more like free agency in the NFL or just professional sports in general. So that does make sense, but nothing less is a huge pickup for the Clemson Tigers as they finally continue to, you know, continue to live the trend of having great edge rushers come out of Clemson. Now for the next high school recruiting news we have, it is involving four-star defensive end Bubakar Traore, which he is ranked as the number one number 88th ranked player in the country and the number 10th ranked defensive lineman in the country so obviously a very you know high up recruit and pretty much throughout his whole recruiting process Notre Dame was pretty much expected to get him I mean he has a great frame at 6'5 230 pounds 235 pounds which if he's going to be a defensive lineman and you know power five division one football he's probably going to need to put on at least 20 to 30 more pounds but nothing less he has great speed and I think he'll be a great pickup for Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish now Considering we're still talking about the, you know, Fighting Irish, four-star offensive tackle Sam Pendleton, he has also committed to Notre Dame, which he, you know, he's not as highly recruited, but he's the number 342nd ranked player in the country and the number 19th inside alignment in the class of 2023. So Notre Dame continues to rank up their class of 2023 as they are now the official first overall ranked class in the class of 2023. So Marcus Freeman, his first year at Notre Dame, he hasn't even played one single game as the official head coach, and he's already putting up a stacked, you know, recruiting class forward next year. So amazing job by Marcus Freeman and the whole coaching staff of Notre Dame. Now, now that we are officially out of the way of some of the high school recruiting news, let's get into our final transfer portal news, and this is regarding former four-star recruit and current Tennessee tight end Julian Nixon. Now, Julian Nixon coming out of high school was ranked the 300. 320th ranked player in the whole country and the 53rd ranked wide receiver in the class of 2021 so obviously he was a freshman this year didn't really get too much playing time with the volunteers obviously the wide receiver room was not incredibly stacked but it had a decent amount of talent and he kind of just kept getting pushed down and pushed down that down the depth chart now I like his frame, which is at 6'3", 235 pounds. People say he's 6'3", 6'4", kind of in the mix so you could really play him at tight end and also at um, wide receiver He's got good size with arm length and an optimal frame that you want to get out of a tight end. But he's not very quick, obviously, why they probably put him at the tight end position. But he is really good at route running and is clean in and out of his breaks. So definitely expect for him to immediately start at the next school he goes to and possibly end up getting drafted once his, once his uh, college career is over with. But nothing less, like, like I said with Gary Bohannon earlier on in the episode, another huge name does enter the transfer portal. And I mean... It's insane to think about all the guys that have entered the transfer portal just in the past month and a half, like, slash the beginning of the year. I mean, we've seen guys, four- and five-star recruits, you know, top 20 recruits in the whole country who have entered the transfer portal. We've seen, you know, top 100 players enter the transfer portal. I mean, 
it kind of it kind of makes you question what is going to happen with the future of college football. Are we going to continue to see these NIL battles between SEC schools, ACC schools, Pac-12 schools, you know, specifically, you know, USC, Alabama, Georgia? Like, are they going to continue these, you know, free agency battles to land these college, you know, 18, 19-year-old kids? I mean, that's the one thing. And I'm also wondering how the NCAA is going to react to all this because, you know, the NCAA, they're going to have to be able to, you know, get a cut out of it or something because they're not going to be letting these kids make more in salary just off of, you know, their NIL deals than some of the, you know, NCAA officials are. So, but nothing less. I mean, it's, I'm just, I'm real, I'm, I mean, it's something I've wondered ever since they officially allowed NIL to be legal. I mean, Caleb, um, Caleb Williams, he also had his own um, merch store at the USC spring game and, there was a lot of people buying his merch, his shirts. I mean, he, you know, this 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 new era of college football is definitely going to be pretty interesting because now it's looking like players they're gonna, they're going to be able to you know sponsor themselves at you know the game. So I guess we will have to wait and see how that goes. But yeah, former four-star tight end Julian Nixon, he has entered the transfer portal. So I don't really know where he might land. I mean, he is from the Georgia area, but once again, Georgia's stacked at you know tight end position, so I doubt he would end up going there. Um, maybe LSU, I mean, I know LSU, they got a couple tight ends now, but kind of just watch out, I mean, I don't really know, I think he might go to a smaller Power 5 school, I don't think he'll go to a you know, major SEC school, maybe Missouri, you never know, I mean, players nowadays will commit to schools that you never thought they would even be interested in simply because of NIL, but yeah, so guys, that is it for today's college football news, I know it was nothing insanely crazy, but we just got off of a lot of spring games, and you know, the NFL draft week is this week, and obviously as I'm recording this, we've had a couple interesting picks. Kayvon Thibodeau falls to the New York Giants. Um, Sauce Gardner ends up going to the Jets, and I'll get into that a little bit later. And also on Monday's podcast, I'll give a full, you know, detailed list of all the draft picks. So bear with me today as I won't give you, you know, I won't give you full in-depth picks, but I will definitely make sure to give you all the picks that have gone on so far. Now, for the first news we have in the NFL is regarding the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have re-signed running back Melvin Gordon to a one-year deal. Now, I think this might be solely for the fact that, you know, they want Javante Williams, you know, their former second-round pick out of North Carolina, maybe get a little bit more experience, kind of sit behind Melvin Gordon for another year. I mean, we saw during the year that Javante, Javante Williams, he showed flashes of being a running back one for the Broncos, and he probably will next year. But I do think that the Broncos, they want a little bit more certainty, especially with just getting Russell Wilson. You know, they need to have a little bit of a better blocker. So I'm guessing they see that more in Melvin Gordon, and that's why they resigned him to a one-year deal. But nothing less, not a bad signing. I mean, they signed him for, I think, about $4 million, so it wasn't anything expensive. And Melvin Gordon obviously proved at Wisconsin and early on in his career with Los Angeles that he is a really solid running back. Now, the next news we have is regarding the Jacksonville Jaguars starting offensive tackle Cam Robinson, which they had franchised early, franchise tagged early on, I think, this year. Now, both sides have agreed to a contract extension. I think it was a three-year, $53 million contract extension. So I do think it is a huge reach for a guy that really hasn't proven himself in the league. Now, I think they probably could have gone after a guy like Evan Neal, possibly in the NFL draft, who just got picked by the Giants. But... I think they really didn't have a choice. They said, you know what, screw it. There's not really a better option, so we'll just keep Cam Robinson. But I do think this probably will stab him in the back as he has kind of dealt with injuries and a little bit of off-the-field issues. So we'll definitely see how this goes. But, yeah, Jacksonville Jaguars, they're officially keeping Cam Robinson for the long term. Now we're going to get into some fifth-year options that got picked up, and we'll actually get into a fifth-year option that actually got canceled, which doesn't really shock too many people, but we'll still get into it regardless. 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're picking up former first-round pick linebacker Devin White's fifth-year option, which will cost the team $11.7 million. Not really shocking as he has played all-pro, Pro Bowl-level football for the Buccaneers, him and Levante David. So great keep for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Next news we have, it's regarding the, the Miami Dolphins. They have exercised defensive tackle Christian Wilkins' fifth-year option. Christian hasn't been Pro Bowl-level good, but he definitely has been um, above average for the Miami Dolphins being a great nose tackle. So I don't think it's really that bad. They're not you know, paying him a stupid amount. I think it's about $10 million or so, a little bit under what they're paying Devin White over in Tampa Bay. So nothing less, great, you know, great keep for the Miami Dolphins. The Washington Commanders, they're picking up defensive end Montez Sweat's fifth-year option, which will cost the team $11.5 million. And I like this for the Commanders as simply Montez Sweat was kind of one of those breakout picks that they got I think a couple years ago coming out of Mississippi State and I mean when they picked him I knew he was going to be a star for them and that's exactly what they've gotten out of him obviously that front you know front line front seven has been amazing for the Washington Commanders the past couple years so them keeping him you know alongside Deron Payne Jonathan Allen so amazing keep for the Washington Commanders the next news we have is regarding the New York Giants now the New York Giants they have actually declined the fifth year option for quarterback Daniel Jones I don't think they've given up on Daniel Jones necessarily I mean we all know he has you know a lot of issues you know getting rid of the football or he has a lot of issues getting you know literally getting rid of the football by fumbling or throwing interceptions which it seems like every single season it only gets progressively worse and worse and worse. Now, he's had moments where he's been decent, you know, I'd say probably average, but he hasn't been anything special considering they picked him over guys like the late Dwayne Haskins Jr., which I know his time in Washington wasn't the greatest, but he still probably would have been a better uh, selection over Daniel Jones. But nothing less, it's kind of, you know, kind of shows the fact that, hey, this is literally his last, you know, last chance because, in next year's next year's draft, there probably will be a lot more options at the quarterback position with guys like Spencer Rattler, Hendon Hooker, for example, the starting quarterback at Tennessee. So definitely, there will be a lot more options. And I think if you know things don't work out this year with Daniel Jones, they'll be looking to the 2023 draft to possibly find a replacement. Now, the next and final fifth-year option news we have it's regarding the Arizona Cardinals, and they have picked up quarterback Kyler Murray's fifth-year option. Now, this comes off Kyler Murray pretty much telling telling everyone, hey. I want to stay in Arizona. I love the Cardinals. I love this organization. I want to win Super Bowls here. And then the Cardinals pretty much saying, hey, there's no chance in Hades we're going to you know, trade him anywhere else. He's going to be staying with us for the rest of his career. So I'm glad both sides finally came to an agreement and that he will still be under control through the 2023 season. So it kind of delays contract extension talks, even though we all know Kyler Murray wants to get paid, which he will end up getting paid. But I think the Cardinals want to at least have another year or two to see what he could bring because for example, if he ends up just becoming a fluke these next couple of years choking in the playoffs like he did this year, especially in the wild card, they're obviously going to want to look for a better you know, solution considering the fact they have guys like D-Hop. You know, they got A.J. Green back. They've still got James Conner at running back. So there's really no excuse for Kyler Murray these next couple of years. I know the defense is not as strong as it needs to be, but they will address that You know, either the draft or in free agency. So nothing less. I do think it's good that they picked up his fifth-year option because it's better paying him twenty million dollars versus paying him a forty million dollar a year, you know, contract like the Cowboys did with Dak Prescott and then it kinda just flukes out. So nothing less. That is it for today's fifth year option news. Now the next news we have it's just a little bit of you know rumor news and then some kind of just yeah, most mostly rumor news. I mean I don't know where I was gonna go with that, but it's mostly rumor news. 
Um, Cam Akers, the Los Angeles Rams running back, he is switching his number to his old Florida State number, which is number three. And this kind of begs the question, what does this mean for OBJ returning to the Los Angeles Rams? I don't think it's really anything that big. I mean, OBJ is coming off of a torn ACL. He's going to have to sign with the Rams, you know, super cheap, considering all, you know, all the money the Rams spent in the offseason to better the team, getting guys like Allen Robinson. So it will be interesting to see what happens. I do think OBJ will probably end up returning to the Rams, but, you know, probably be in his old 13. I don't think anyone on the Rams has 13, but at the end of the day, OBJ has already expressed how much he wants to stay in L.A. considering the fact that they won him his first Super Bowl and they kind of revitalized his career in a way after a horrible tenure he had in Cleveland, which was half and half with him at Baker Mayfield. I mean, we can't fully put the blame on Baker Mayfield and we can't fully put the blame on OBJ because both had a lot of issues and both had a lot of, you know, play styles that didn't, you know, accompany each other. But nothing less, I figured that, you know, it's cool that Cam Akers is going back to his Florida State number, which, because I remember watching him in college and I'm like, this kid is a stud. His freshman year was probably his best year, in my opinion. I mean, he slowly regressed you know, through his sophomore and junior year. He still was good. I mean, he's probably one of the better running backs in the country. But nothing less, I was really, you know, excited that the Rams got him because they still needed running back help even after they lost Todd Gurley and they had guys like Daryl Henderson and Sonny, Sonny Michelle. And another cool thing about Cam Akers is the fact that he tore his Achilles and then returned like eight months later, which is practically impossible. So obviously this dude's a hard worker and I do think he will, you know, be a, a great long term running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Now the next news we have it's regarding the Las Vegas Raiders and their tight end Darren Waller, which there had been rumors about them trading Darren Waller to the Green Bay Packers for I think draft picks or something like that, because I mean, I don't know. It there, there always has to be trade rumors. I mean, this offseason has been so insane with everyone getting traded. I mean It'd be like, okay, we got Devontae Adams from you guys. We'll give you we'll give you Darren Waller back in exchange, you know, going back to the Packers. So, But nothing less, the Las Vegas Raiders, they have literally made it clear as well as Derek Carr and Darren Waller himself that there will be no trade for Darren Waller. He will not be going to Green Bay. So Las Vegas fans, there's nothing to worry about. Darren Waller will be staying in Las Vegas. He will not be going up to Lambeau. He will not be going to Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers will, con will continue to have Robert Tanyan, and Alan Lazard. So <laughs> now, depending on how the draft goes, which I do think they might look at Jamison Williams if he is available at their pick, which is a high probability because they do need another wide receiver. Because I am recording this while the draft is going on, which the Atlanta Falcons just took Drake London from USC, which I'll get into why that's kind of a questionable pick, but nothing less. Las Vegas fans, there's nothing to worry about. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding Debo Samuel and the New York Jets. Now, the, now the San Francisco 49ers have apparently already made it clear that they will not be trading Debo Samuel, but Debo's, Debo's already expressed that he wants to go somewhere different. He wants to be able to go somewhere else. And for some reason, John Lynch and them just won't take the hint, which I know the New York Jets probably aren't a better situation for him. Now, I could be wrong because Zach Wilson did kind of turn around his season towards the end of the year, and he looked really good and kind of showed the potential that we saw at BYU. So maybe that's what kind of turned turned on Debo Samuel, maybe to go to New York. But nothing less, an NFL executive actually, he reported to someone that he believes that the New York Jets will trade for 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel in a trade that will involve the Jets' 10th overall pick. Now, considering that the Jets took 
Um, Sauce Gardner with their fourth overall pick. That likely meant that their tenth overall pick was going to be a wideout. So if they can trade their tenth overall pick to get a guy like Debo Samuel, who's already proven himself as a you know great wide receiver in this NFL, you know first team All Pro, that would be huge for the Jets and would you know pretty much make their offseason that much better after they you know after they got Lake and Tomlinson to help the offensive line. Now I know they didn't go after you know tackle or guard, which they need to. But Makai Becton, I still do think he can bounce back from whatever weight issues he's going through, which we've heard a lot from, you know, NFL scouts and NFL reporters. But nothing less, just something to watch out for during the draft because we could possibly see, you know, a huge blockbuster trade happen during the NFL draft. Now the next news we have, it's regarding the Philadelphia Eagles, which they actually told former Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams that they would want to draft him if he is available at their pick, which does not shock me at all because getting him and Devontae Smith in the same wide receiver room and Jalen Rager, which can maybe help ease the load off of both of them, would be huge for both of their careers as well as Jamison Williams and would definitely help boost up, um, definitely help boost Jalen Hurts. I, I completely blanked. I don't know why I forgot Jalen Hurts' name, but I do think that would make that um, Eagles offense even more deadly than it already is with guys like Dallas Goddard. Now you have Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, Jamison Williams, Jalen Rager. I mean, it. <laughs> the offensive line is still good. You still have Lane Johnson. You're going to be getting Jason Kelsey back. Watch out for the Eagles if they do end up getting Jamison Williams. Now the next news we have, and this is actually the last news for the NFL that we have today, and it's regarding Laramie Tunsil, which in case you don't remember, he had an infamous gas mask draft day picture, which he literally was smoking marijuana through a gas mask, and the, the picture leaked on his draft day, which killed his stock, and he ended up landing with the Miami Dolphins. So he lost out on millions, but he's actually doing something pretty cool. He's actually turning that picture into an NFT to raise money for cannab cannabis criminal justice reform, which I think that's honestly amazing because, you know, marijuana is starting to become legal in a lot more states. People are starting to realize some of the benefits it might bring. Now, I know you need to use it for the right reasons, not the wrong, but I do think that is pretty cool that Laramie's kind of using the light side of the whole situation and is using it for the better and donating to help people out that have been, you know, jailed wrongly. So nothing less, that's really cool by Laramie Tunsil. And to talk about some draft news, I know I did say that was the last news, but to talk about some draft news right now, I'm going to name off some of the players that have already been taken. Currently, right now, we are with the um, 10th pick, which the New York Jets are about to, they're on the clock right now, so I will go through 1 through 9. So with the first overall pick in the 2022 draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they took Traven Walker. Now, the reason why they took Traven, and I understand this a little bit more, especially when Booger McFarlane was talking about it, the reason why the Jacksonville Jaguars went ahead and you know took the chance with Traven is simply because his potential, not because what he proved in college. Obviously, we know he he wasn't really the star of that Georgia defense, but from his combine and just all the athleticism he showed while he was in college, that kind of turned, I guess, Jacksonville onto the idea of, hey, you know, this guy could become our Swiss Army knife in a way, and you know. He still has great, like I said, he still has great athleticism and playmaking potential, which the Jaguars feel they can, you know, create more of it in the NFL. And he could possibly end up becoming a Pro Bowl level, you know, DN. Now, do I think they should they should have gone with Aiden Hutchinson? Absolutely, because they need more of a proven guy. Because they've took chances on a lot of defensive ends in the past couple of years, like Caleb Von Chason, who hasn't really turned out to be anything in the NFL. No hate to him or anything like that, but I do think. They were better off going with Aiden Hutchinson, but I still do like the pick of Trayvon Walker. So I'll give it like a C. 
not horrible, but is a huge risk, which it's a huge risk, high reward, or it's a huge risk and a low, low reward because, once again, he is the number one overall pick. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, they took Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end, out of Michigan. Not really much to say. Hayden, Aiden Hutchinson is six foot seven, is coming off a Heisman finalist season and you know showed mass potential at Michigan. And I think he'll fit well with Dan Campbell's defense and just the atmosphere at Detroit, considering he is a Michigan guy, you know, through and throughout. So great pick for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. The next news we have, or not next news, the next pick we have is regarding the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans have picked cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU, which is a little bit of a risk considering his injury. I guess you could say his injury riddled past at LSU the past two years. Now, during his freshman year in 2019, which was the Joe Burrow year, he was fantastic, arguably the best cornerback in college football, showed mass potential and why he could possibly be the number one overall pick in two years from then. But during the 2020 season, during COVID, he pretty much didn't play at all. In the 2021 season, he struggled a little bit with injuries and just some on-field play. But we all know LSU as a whole struggled simply because of all the drama that went down in the university. So I do think he, he will be good with the Texans, but I do think the Texans probably should have gone with Sauce Gardner, who is a little bit more proven as a corner versus the raw potential that Derek Stingley brings. But nothing less, it's not a bad pick, and I'll give it probably a B-. minus. Now, the next news we have, and this is by the New York Jets. The New York Jets, they have picked Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. I love this. I love the frame he gives you. He's six foot three, 190 pounds, and once again, he's a great ball hawk. He never allowed a touchdown reception in his whole college football career. He has great bump and run skills, and it's also very instinctive, which obviously you need in the NFL. The only problem is is kind of his holding tendency, which is going to get called a lot more in the NFL. But I do think what he brings to the table for the Jets, who massively needed improvement in the secondary, is going to be phenomenal. I think he will instantly be a cornerback one for them, as they obviously needed that secondary room to get addressed. So great pick by the New York Jets. And with the fifth pick, the New York Giants, they took Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher out of Oregon. Kayvon Thibodeau was a high five-star recruit coming out of high school, went to Oregon, was very dominant his freshman year, kind of su kind of suffered through some injuries during his sophomore and junior year, similar to Derek Stingley, but nothing less, the talent was there, we all saw it. I mean, he's been known as a blue-chip player with impressive physical tools, and you can't even stop him during his speed rush maneuvers, so... Nothing less. I do think that's something the New York Giants needed. I do think they needed a little bit more edge presence considering, you know, Leonard Williams needs someone else on the outside versus, you know, having someone on the inside. So great pick for the Giants. The next new, the next pick we have, it's regarding the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers took Iki Ekwanu, offensive tackle out of NC State. I like this pick for the Carolina Panthers because they've been struggling with offensive line, at least here recently. And during his time at NC State, he's still technically a work in progress as a pass protector. But the size and physical tools he does bring to, you know, the Carolina Panthers will actually will pretty much make him into an elite offensive tackle in the NFL. I didn't really watch too much of him in college simply because I'm not really an ACC guy. But from the scouts and everything I've heard, he's very physical and brings a lot of talent to the board. So great pick for the Carolina Panthers. Um, with the number seven pick, the New York Giants, they took Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama. Evan Neal was projected to be a top five pick, so the fact he even slid to the number seven pick is huge for the Giants, as obviously we know they've needed a lot of offensive, you know, offensive line help. 
and they're getting it with an amazing run blocker, which I know Saquon Barkley is super excited about. I mean, who wouldn't be excited to get a dude that is literally six foot seven, three hundred and thirty-seven pounds blocking for you? Um, he's able to, you know, keep guys from rushing off the edge, and he, and he also has the power to blow over guys and pancake them. So, I liked what I saw when he was at Alabama, and I think that will translate immediately to the NFL. Now, for the number eight pick, the Atlanta Falcons, they took. Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Now, like I said earlier, I would talk about why I don't really understand why they took Drake London over a guy like Garrett Wilson, who just went to the New York Jets literally a minute ago. The thing with Drake London, it's not the fact his size. Dude is amazing. He's I think he's six foot five, has a great frame on him, so there's nothing to worry about there. I just do think that his speed is something that needs to kind of be addressed a little bit. Obviously, he's going to be great in red zone situations when you just want to throw the ball up because. I mean, when you're six foot five, you're pretty much able to catch it over anyone. But once again, speed is a concerning if they're expecting him to be a great outside guy. But nonetheless, I know the Falcons, they needed immediate wide receiver help. And I do think they should have gone with Garrett Wilson over Drake London. But they're still going to get a star out of Drake London. So great pick, I guess, by the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, with a number nine pick, the Seattle Seahawks took Charles Cross, offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Now, this pick is actually from the Denver Broncos when they traded for Russell Wilson from the Seahawks. So, hey, Seattle finally addressed the offensive line position, which, you know, Russell Wilson had been begging for for years and years and years, which they finally give it now that they traded him away. So it's kind of confusing. But, I mean, after they traded to get Jamal Adams, they pretty much had no first-round picks. So the fact that they went out and got them an offensive tackle who was first-team All-SEC player and he obviously has great size, and he's great, you know, from being a tactician to a mauler in the run game, and he can bully defenders at the line of scrimmage, which Bucky Brooks, you know, described him as. So I do think this is a really solid pick for the Seattle Seahawks, who needed immediate offensive tackle help. Now, for the final pick that I will have for y'all today, considering that, you know, the draft is currently still going on, the New York Jets, they picked Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State, with the 10th overall pick. And I love this pick by the New York Jets. Garrett Wilson during his time at Ohio State with C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields is an absolute stud. And to add on the fact that he has some of the best route running ability and ball skills you will see coming out of this year's draft just obviously made him pretty much number one overall wide receiver prospect into this year's draft. And his former Ohio State teammate Chris Olave, who will probably end up being another first round overall pick, just adds on to the impressive wide receiver, you know, class that Ohio State has had in years and years past with guys like Michael Thomas you know it's just impressive to see the fact that you know that Ohio State is possibly going to have two wide receivers picked in the top you know top 32 picks in this year's draft but I do think this is an amazing pick for the New York Jets as they needed to give Zach Wilson who was their you know their first round pick last year they needed to give him some more weapons because obviously Jamison Crowder wasn't cutting it uh, Denzel Mims not really being there that much during the season definitely did hurt them. Obviously, having guys like Braxton and Barrios kind of emerge was huge. And now the fact they just got themselves a guy with the potential that Garrett Wilson brings to your team this is going to be huge for that New York Jets offense, which you know struggled majorly last season. So, great pick by the New York Jets. Now that I'm done kind of blabbering about some NFL news, the NFL draft. Let's talk about the, the one huge MLB news that has gone on this past week. 
and that is regarding the New York Yankees and I guess their quote-unquote cheating scandal, which is aka called The Letter. Now, on Tuesday of this week, a 2017 letter that apparently detailed an investigation into an alleged sign-stealing effort by the New York Yankees was revealed. While apparently its contents were are not nearly as damning as the revelations about what the Houston Astros did to win their um, World Series championship back in 2017, the Yankees actually did spend more than two years fighting off the release of the letter in court. So that kind of begs the question, you know, where did this letter come from and why is it so important? Well, the Yankees, they fought off this letter for many years in the like the actual legal system because the Yankees expressed many times to the MLB that if this letter got released, it would literally have significant and irreparable reputation harm towards the Yankees organization. But then you had MLB attorneys that argued that the letter could cause potential embarrassment to the MLB as a whole because, you know, the fact that, you know, teams are having to cheat just doesn't look good for a professional sports team, even though we know that every professional sport has some cheating moments. We saw it with the Patriots. We've seen it in basketball. We've seen it in baseball, obviously. So the main thing that I guess we can take away from this letter is that, the desire that the Yankees had to not let this letter get out because, you know, they were one of the biggest teams that criticized the Houston Astros for cheating. But at the same time, people are idiots if you think that the Yankees, they weren't, you know, cheating or if the Red Sox weren't cheating or if any other MLB is not cheated or any other MLB team is not cheated, you're kind of out of your mind. So I guess this is more of a thing of the Yankees just wanted to be able to hold their reputation as being one of the more class you know, class um, organizations in the league, which their fans are definitely not that, but the organization as a whole, they wanted to keep that reputation. And I guess this was kind of their way to do it. But now that this, but I guess the one thing you can truly take away from this is the fact that this, their sign stealing was not as bad or as long as the Houston Astros was, because I think this only went on for less than a year. And it was, you know, I think it was, if I remember correctly, when I was reading about it, all they would do is they would get someone in the outfield to, I guess, record what the what the catcher was throwing as signals, and then they would text it to someone in the dugout, and then someone in the dugout would, I guess, relay the information to the batter. And it was something weird, but it was nowhere as, as blatantly obvious and as severe as the Houston Astros situation was when they would literally bang on trash cans and had tasers. Not tasers. They had um, not vibrators. What they had some. They had that thing on their chest that would literally, you know, beep and, you know, the vibration would let the hitter know what it was like. And we saw that with um, Jose Altuve when he was rounding the bases on that walk-off home run. He said, don't take off my shirt, don't take off my shirt. Later, he would end up saying it was a tattoo. His wife just didn't know about it and he didn't want her to get mad, which that was one of the worst excuses I think we've ever heard or seen. So I do think people need to hold teams accountable for cheating, but at the same time, Y- y'all actually are ridiculous if you think that every team in the MLB is not cheated at some point. Now, I've kind of gotten over the whole Astros cheating thing. I mean, there's no point to hold on to it. The MLB is not going to do anything to address their championship. They're not going to take it away from them. Hell, they didn't even suspend any players. They only suspended people in the management and coaching or part of the Houston Astros organization. So, it's it's definitely kind of kind of cool to see all these teams finally being exposed for cheating and kind of the fan base is shutting up a little bit but once again Astros obviously were more of the blatantly obvious teams that have cheated in MLB history and it rightfully showed so 
nothing really too much to take away from the whole Yankee letter situation. It was more of just a letter that they didn't want to let get out there to expose the fact that, hey, they did cheat in the past, even though it wasn't as severe, because they want to be known as the clean Yankees, not the horribly cheating Yankees. But besides that, guys... Ooh, ooh, real quick, before I do let y'all go, the New Orleans Saints with the 11th pick, they just took Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave. So both Ohio State teammates, they get picked back-to-back, number 10 and number 11. Wow, I definitely thought Chris Olave would fall a little bit more. I didn't think the Saints were going to pick him, but wow, great pick for the Saints. He's definitely a speedster and a great deep ball threat. Now, guys, that is it for today's just news in general, college football, ML, MLB, NFL. Obviously, I'll make sure on Monday we'll kind of have a full recap of the NFL draft. I'll make sure to give you all the whole first round and second round picks. I know you all probably won't be as interested for the third and so on, but I'll definitely kind of give you all some of the key points that did go on those rounds. But, guys, I hope you all do have a fantastic Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. Obviously, you know, it's going to be definitely interesting to see how the NFL draft goes on, some MLB news, because, you know, Ronald Acuna is coming back as well. But nothing less, I hope you'll have a fantastic Friday, a fantastic weekend, and I will see you all back here on Monday. Peace.